Welcome into the Portside Pod, the official podcast of the Stockton Ports. I'm the voice of the Ports, Alex Jensen, and on today's episode, we visit with right-hander Bryce Conley, who on July 22, 2019, started the Ports' first no-hitter since 1990. Bryce takes us back to that day in July and shares how he's been getting ready for the season during the layoff. Right-hander from the 2019 Stockton Ports, Bryce Conley is our guest today on the Portside Pod. Uh, Bryce, I understand you're, you're back in Georgia. First of all, thank you so much for taking the time uh, to, to hop on with me here. I know it's a, it's a weird time right now, but I uh, appreciate the time, man. Yeah, absolutely. Glad to be here. I'm ready for baseball to be back. <laughs> I think we all are. How have you been uh, kind of keeping busy during this time, whether it be baseball, like, you know, uh, getting ready for – uh, getting ready for the season or otherwise. I mean, I think everyone's kind of trying to find ways to keep themselves entertained. Sure. Yeah, no, uh, days are getting a little repetitive, but uh, all is good. Uh, I'm healthy, so thankful for that. And uh, just been putting in time in the gym. Um, I guess it's kind of a vacant gym at this point, but uh, uh, working out for a couple hours a day and then, head home and try to kill time, whether it's between Netflix or my PlayStation um, or just killing time on my phone. So any, any way to really waste time, um, I'm probably doing it. <laughs> okay. A couple questions there. First of all, what, what's your go-to on PlayStation? Um, it has been Fortnite in the past, but I just downloaded the show. So I've been uh, playing with the show. Uh, I didn't quite make the cut on the video game, so my goal is to be on the next uh, 2021 the show. So, because this is the first year they've really incorporated some minor league baseball players in it, so it's cool seeing some friends um, on the video game, which is pretty neat. So, uh, yeah, between the show and Fortnite, that, that's definitely been keeping me bu- busy. That's like a dream as a kid, right? Seeing yourself on a video game. Oh yeah, absolutely. I've had a couple friends, high school friends, reach out to me. Are you on this? Are you are you on the show? Are you on the show? And I'm like, no, nah, I didn't quite make the cut this year. But hopefully, if I climb the ladder enough this year, then uh, they'll update the rosters and maybe I'll I'll get on there at some point. But it's pretty cool. Okay, second question there is: Have you started any new shows? What are we binging on Netflix? Like, I mean, I've seen a few movies. Like, I I just don't watch many movies when they're in the theaters. But my girlfriend is a huge. Uh, movie person so we've been catching up on all these movies so what have you been binging yeah. on during this during this time oh a bunch of stuff um let's see i just finished ozark i rewatched that great I show two seasons um and watched the third one uh like jason bateman and that so ozark is good um believe it or not i have not seen the office all the way through so i am uh i've seen random episodes but i'm on season six of the office so um, watching that, that's kind of the mindless show that's in the background while I'm making some food or something. Um, and then I actually just started Peaky Blinders. Um, so I've heard good things. I've only watched the first episode, so I'm not too deep in it. But uh, I've heard good things about it, so I'm giving that one a shot right now. Dude, you're running down my murderer's row right now. <laughs> Let's your good. Oh, man. Well, I, so I, I did all the Peaky Blinders before this whole deal. I've always been an Office fan, and uh, Ozark, I, just, I haven't seen uh, season three yet, but uh, mm-hmm. Ozark is great. Like, I, I mean, I've been doing college basketball the last few years, so I've been watching on the plane and everything like that. It's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's good. It's actually filmed in Georgia, not too far from where 
um, I live. So it's kind of cool seeing the, the lake and stuff. That's, I think it's probably like 45 minutes from my house. So it's kind of cool seeing that. And uh, I thought the first season was the best season. I think it kind of um, dies down a little bit, but it's still, it's still good. It's still a good watch. That really hits you over the head, like right at the beginning of the first season. <laughs> yeah, it's like, does, does this actually happen? Are there actually people in this world that are doing this, laundering this much money for the drug cartel? <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. All right, let's get to uh, let's get let's get to baseball, and we we talked about this a little bit before I hit record here. But how are you staying ready during? This? I mean, this is like nothing like this obviously has ever happened before, certainly in your career. So how are you staying ready during this whole day? Because you told me you went out to spring training, went out to Arizona for a little bit over a month, and then you're set. Yeah. So what are you doing now to stay ready? Yeah, um, getting ready is you know kind of the the most important thing to do in the off season and. Um, uh, it's definitely just a continuation of the off season for me at this point. Um, put in a lot of work this off season, got after in the gym, um, got after it in the yoga studio. Um, so did all that stuff, was ready for spring training, got out here early, was here February 2nd and uh, was here for about six, six weeks, I think, and then got sent home, but we were ramping up. Um, and now we're kind of tapering back a little bit, waiting to hear when we're going to, you know, report somewhere, anywhere, if we are even going to report. Um, and yeah, just trying to keep a positive mindset. It's tough every day, kind of waking up and being like, well, got to go work out, but you don't really get to play. So, you know, you're doing all this work and we're not really getting to see it, um, pay dividends yet. So um, it's a little frustrating at times, but trying to keep a positive mindset and get after it in the gym and just staying as ready as possible um, until, you know, our name gets called and we get sent out to our affiliates and then it's go time. So hoping that day comes sooner rather than later. And uh, yeah, just grinding until then. Take me back to spring training when you found out that uh, things were being shut down for the time being and kind of what the mood was like. Uh, you know, in the facility and how they delivered you the news and how quickly everyone got out of there. Yeah, it was weird. It was a weird time. Um, like a couple days before all this happened, it rained. And I think this is the first time in spring training that I've, this is my third spring training and it just set back everything. So people were throwing bullpens like in weird spots and everything was just kind of thrown off at the beginning. Um, and then a couple days later, uh, the position players were about to get here and we heard that they weren't coming at all. And it was like, Oh boy, we're about to get sent home. So it was just kind of a weird time in spring training. Um, it was like a Friday and they were like, pack your stuff up because we're not exactly sure if we're going to send you home or not. And then Saturday came around and then everyone's gone. And it was just like, so fat happened so fast. Um, and obviously for good reason, because this coronavirus is obviously very serious and I think we're taking the right precautions but um, it was just weird because like you said no one's ever really been in this situation and had this kind of effect on a sport completely shutting it down not only baseball obviously but NBA NFL and all the other sports to come with it so um, yeah it was a weird time very weird time the NBA going was kind of the first. I mean, once that mm -hmm. happened, it, it kind of felt like it was only a matter of time, right? Yeah, it was within like 24 hours, everything yeah. else shut down. So it was definitely, we heard that the NBA went down. I was like, 
uh-oh. <laughs> it was just a matter of time before, you know, we were sent home. That's a good point because I was actually at spring training. I was doing a few games for the A's, and uh, there was supposed to be a game in Tempe against the Angels, and it was – I mean, it was raining cats and dogs. I mean, you said, you, like, it, it almost never rains. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I've – I will say I've been in Arizona between uh, when I got drafted – um, instructs spring training, probably told maybe five or six months. And I want to say it's rained like rained range twice in six months. And it's just, that's why Arizona is so great. It's because it never rains and sunshine. And especially, you know, in March, it's a great, great time of the year to be here with the weather and everything. So yeah, just weird when it rains here or when it rains in Arizona. It was, it was a weird few days. Like you said, a couple of days after that, everything shut down. Mm-hmm. Okay, let, let's go back to your last season, your third year in pro ball. You, of course, ended uh, the season at Banner Island Ballpark with the Ports. Mm-hmm. Nine games, seven starts, and, and a big game in there. And we'll get to that as we wind down here. Um, but what do you feel like – because you mentioned before I hit record again, like, you know, your numbers have been getting better and better as your career has gone on. It seems like you really kind of turned a corner uh, – in 2019. So what do you mm-hmm. think was the difference for you? Um, I think just experience at this point, um, kind of learning the ins and outs of pro ball, which is much different than um, college ball, which I've had been playing for four years. So, you know, you go from a seven day rotation to a five day rotation. And for me, the first year in pro ball, when I was in Beloit, my first full season, uh, that was probably the biggest thing that I had to learn is how my body was feeling and uh you know how to approach each day and then after my first full season which was last year um i kind of took what i had learned and applied it to um you know my second full season and i felt like i knew what to expect going into my second full year and was a little more comfortable um with everything from just what to expect on road trips and when i go to an affiliate and it was just that little more comfortable feeling and what I needed to do on certain days to get the job done, um, which provided a little bit more consistency for me, which is the name of the game is consistency. So um, I felt like I was pretty consistent last year and kind of just keeping trying to improve that aspect of my game um, is, is probably the biggest for me. It's interesting you say, because I think a lot of people don't realize how much how big of a difference I mean even though you're playing a 56 game 56 plus game schedule in college plus yeah you know summer ball which you, I guess you have a little bit more of a pro ball type of schedule there mm-hmm. is really a huge difference right between making sure your body is ready in pro ball versus college and that has a long sure. that, that goes a long way to your success doesn't it yeah absolutely um as a starter for sure because you know you have those extra two days is crazy um you know, there's times during the year when we get on a six-day rotation because of a rain out or, you know, something happens and we get six days. And it's crazy how long, like, a six-day rotation feels. Um, but when you look back at it in college, you know, you're going every seven days. So you had extra two days to recover. So it's really that recovery time. You can feel like crap, um, you know, the four days in between starts. But as long as you feel good that fifth day, that's all that really matters. And that's what I've kind of learned that, you know, you got to do whatever, whatever you can to get that body feeling good on the fifth day. And as long as you feel fresh on start day, then you're doing what you need to do. Okay. Let's go back now to July 22nd and uh, the, the Stockton ports first. No, I don't know if you know this 
first no hitter for the Stockton Port since 1990. Uh, <laughs> you started that game. You went six innings in that game. You struck out yeah. six. Obviously, didn't give up a hit. Didn't give up a run. Yeah. What do you remember uh, about that day and, and getting ready for your start? Uh, it was you and two other guys that combined on the no hitter, but you obviously mm-hmm. put together two thirds of the ball game. So. You know, take me back to, to warming up. For, well, let me ask you this first. Was that your first time pitching in a no-hitter at any level? Uh, no. The year before, I actually threw pretty much the same thing. I went six innings and had two guys come in behind me uh, when I was in Beloit. So, it was actually my second one in pro ball. Wow. Combined no-hitter, which is pretty cool. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Sure. So, um, going into that game, I was thought of Nick Hundley. And uh, he's a longtime big leaguer. And believe it or not, I can't remember if it was the start before or two before I threw to him um, as well. He was there for a couple rehab games. And so I'd thrown to him one time before. And something about throwing to a big league catcher, those were probably two of my best outings all year. Um, He's just, he knows what he's doing. He recognizes swings. He picked up on what I was comfortable with pretty quickly and um, called a fantastic game. I can't remember really shaking them off much. So um, when a big leaguer puts down, you know, a sign, you tend to throw it. <laughs> so no, he, he led me in the right direction and it was a lot of fun. Um, pitch count got up there. I remember my pitch count was pretty high, which is unfortunate because, you know, you never want to come out of a game that, you know, you're throwing well in. So, but how it goes and, Felt good and thankfully had two studs behind me who came in and, and, and shut the door. So it was a lot of fun. Uh, being Eric Mourinho's and, uh, and Jake Bray. Of course, mm-hmm. Do you remember what was working well for you in that game? Um, my, I, I remember my cutter was my go-to pitch. Um, I actually vaguely remember uh, Nick Hundley telling me about my changeup and kind of the way I was gripping it. And – I had been throwing like a two-seam changeup, but I don't throw a two-seam fastball. So he's like, why do you throw a two-seam changeup if you don't throw a two-seam fastball? It looks nothing like your fastball. So I like switched my grip, and I remember my changeup being better than it normally was because last year was my changeup was pretty hit or miss and just stuck with the four-seam changeup, and I think it gave it a little more deception, looked like my fastball um, a little bit longer, and I think that was kind of my go-to pitch that day. Um, so between the cutter and the changeup, um, had those two pitches working for me and just kept them off balance, I guess. Um, it feels like forever ago. <laughs> it's <laughs> kind of reminiscent on playing because I haven't done it in a while. So, yeah. Um, but no, yeah, no, it was locked in, obviously, and um, had a good day. You mentioned something about Nick Hundley that, I mean, having an experienced catcher like that who is, I mean, even in the big leagues, I mean, he was known as a defensive guy, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, a a guy that knew how to call a game. I mean, I remember hearing quotes from Bob Melvin talking about how comfortable he was with Nick Hundley when he got in there behind the dish. And that's another thing that, I mean, you just talked about that that can be a boon to a young pitcher such as yourself is what he sees behind the plate. How much of a benefit is that? So a guy like you and everyone on that Ports pitching staff a year ago or whenever a big leaguer comes down for a rehab, especially a guy with his experience, how much of a benefit is that, uh, you know, when he catches you, when he realizes things like that? Yeah, no, huge benefit. Uh, uh, the thing is, like, about baseball is, you know, you're, you, you throw every day, but you don't necessarily, like, see the way your pitches move or stuff like that. So a lot of times you're relying on what other people are telling you about your stuff. 
Um, and from a guy who's seen, you know, probably thousands, he's probably caught thousands of pitchers throughout his career. Um, and so he can, you know, the knowledge that he has uh, behind the dish is something that you don't come across every single day. Um, and you talked about big leaguers coming down uh, in Stockton. The A's send a lot of their rehab guys to Stockton, which is kind of cool. So, you know, we saw a bunch of big leaguers trickle down um, and come in for a game here and there, which is really cool. That's not something I got to really experience in Beloit when I was there. Um, so it's cool and picking brains and just learning, you know, another side of the game and kind of their road and what they've done to get there and stay there. Um, Shamanaya, he was down for a good bit with us um, and got to pick his brain a good bit. Um, and he threw a no hitter. So that's, you know, again, you guys got that in common. So that was the Red Sox in what, like 2018, I think. Yes. Um, so, you know, just getting to talk to him about stuff like that. And, uh, you know, it's cool just being a, being the same dugout as, you know, some big leaguers and, um, makes you feel like you're kind of close, you know, <laughs> that we're, we're getting there. Um, so just trying to climb the ladder and, and learn as much as possible. Well, and it goes beyond like the X's nose, so to speak, for lack of a better term. I and mean, there's not X's and O's in baseball, obviously, but it goes mm -hmm. beyond just in between the lines, right? Because there's mm -hmm. so much you're navigating in the course of a minor league season, I can imagine. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, X's and O's have become the analytics of baseball, and that's taken a huge turn in the past couple of years. And I feel like I've learned a lot um, just anywhere from like just getting the rap soto data. Um, from a bullpen and seeing how things are moving and how things are shaping and the spin rates and the direction of the spin. It's um, unreal how much information there is out these days. Uh, we got these new cameras called edgetronic cameras that we're throwing on and you can see, you know, how the ball's coming off of your fingertips, which is pretty cool. Um, so, I mean, it's just become so analytical these days. It's cool, but you don't want to overthink things at times, which is definitely um, something that happens. So um, it's good to have the information, but you sometimes don't want to overanalyze things because that makes it complicated and got to keep it simple sometimes. Well, that's what brings us back to the importance of a guy like Nick Hunley and being able to tell, is there something more tangible to him, uh, you know, to you being able to use those experiences, maybe though, you know, that advice that some of those guys give you in a game as opposed to just a bullpen or a side session? Um, I mean, game time is definitely a little different um, because you're amped up and you just want to compete. Um, it's easier. I feel like it would be easier to take something that they would say in a practice setting just because sometimes in a game your mind's racing and it's hard to think about things because you try not to think about much. You just want to execute a pitch on the mound. You don't want to be thinking about, you know, oh, my backside's leaking or my front shoulder's flying open. It's good to be aware of those things when you're playing a game, but it's not necessarily something that you're putting your sole focus to like you can in practice. So um, it would be fun because the big leaguers that come to rehab, they usually come for the games. Um, so it's not like we like practice, I guess, with them. Sure. Um, so it would be cool to have like a practice where we just have a day where we can just go on the field and, um, you know, try a bunch of different things and see what they have to say about it. But game time's definitely different. Um, take what they say. Say Nick tells me about my changeup, like, oh, cool, that's good to know. So I just change my grip, and that's all I think about. I'm not thinking about, you know, staying back a little longer or, you know, 
getting that release point in this certain spot. Um, try to just compete when you're out there. Uh, grip change is a pretty pretty easy switch. So that was that was what that was. We're talking to 2019 Stockton Ports right-hander Bryce Conley here on the Portside Pod. I'm Alex Jensen. Let, let's go back to the no-hitter quickly. When did you guys kind of, I mean, I, you know, I've never been part of a no-hitter in my limited playing career, you know. <laughs> uh, but when, when did you guys kind of realize in the dugout that what was going on? And Because I was calling that game. And, yeah. you know, I get to the sixth, seventh, eighth inning, and you're like, oh, my gosh, like, this might actually happen. So take me to yeah. the mood in the dugout, you know, leading up to the moment. and then. When you got that last out, um, the celebration. Yeah, um, let's see. Happened. So I didn't don't really realize it until you get through the first uh, the lineup the first time. So I guess probably about the third, fourth inning, uh, you realize you're getting through the lineup the second time and realize that you haven't given up any hits. And so I'd say right about the fourth inning, you realize it, and then um fifth sixth inning I think I went out there and kind of knew it was about to be my last inning so just gave it kind of everything that I had um and usually after we throw we'll go in and do arm care and do our bike do our whole program afterwards um but when when you're part of something like that uh I put that on hold stayed in the dugout and you know cheered on Jake Bray and Eric Mourinho's at the end of the game because it doesn't come along every day so um I'm not I guess like they I'm sure they knew they had to have known in yeah. that seventh eighth and ninth inning because I was sitting there on the on the rail you know biting my nails and holding my breath um every inning but it was pretty clean there weren't any instances where I was like oh shoot that's definitely a hit um I think in the second inning Trace Lair made a really good play at second base um that kind of stole a hit away in like the second inning, but you don't realize that in the second inning, you look back at that and be like, dang, that could have been a hit. Um, so yeah, it's just kind of a suspenseful, it makes everything a little more suspenseful uh, late game when there hasn't been a hit given up. So. All right. A couple rapid fire here for you on that sure. same subject, easier being the guy like less nerve wracking being the guy on the mound in those later innings or the guy in the dugout biting his nails. <laughs> I would much rather be on the mound, um, especially being the starter. Um, I feel like there's a lot of pressure on the relievers coming in at the end of a no-hitter because, you know, they, to them, they throw one, two innings every day. So, you know, it's normal for them to just come in and throw. But um, I feel like they probably would have felt bad, even though there's no reason to feel bad if they were to give up a hit um, because that's baseball. And it's, you know, obviously those happen multiple times a game. So, I feel like um, it's easier as a starter to kind of be relaxed because it's your game. You start the game, um, your goal is to finish the game, but that doesn't always happen. Um, so it's kind of in my hands. But, yeah, no, I would have been, been much more nervous being Jake or Eric in that situation than, than where I was at. So, <laughs> <laughs> And I was just – you kind of answered my next question, but it would be much more – I mean, it would be much more nerve-wracking coming in later in the game than, like, you know, you're in the fifth, sixth inning. Like you said, it, it's your game to start, mm -hmm. and there's much less on the line that late in the game. Those guys are coming in. I mean, they, they know what's going on, right, when they get to the mound. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, that ninth inning comes around, and <laughs> I mean, everyone knows what's going on, so everyone's watching pretty intently, and, you know, we got that last out, and it was fun kind of running to the pitcher's mound and, uh, you know, enjoying that moment with the team. 
Give me a feel uh, for what it's like when you move up in a system from, you know, in your case, what Vermont to Beloit and midseason last year, Beloit to Stockton. I mean, do you feel, uh, especially when you get to the ballpark and specifically talking about Banner Island ballpark, do you get yeah. a little, maybe a little bit more of a big league feel? Yeah. Um, you know, that's pretty much the only time I've been called up. So uh, I spent my first season in Vermont uh, and then my first full season in Beloit and then was sent back to Beloit. And then halfway through the season, I got called up to Stockton and it's a great feeling. Um, you know, you just feel like all your hard work is kind of paid off to a certain extent. Um, obviously it's just one level, but um the whole season you're thinking about how do I get to that next level? And when it actually happens, it's, it's nice because, you know, you feel like your hard work is paid off and it's just another step, you know, you're still working towards um, something more, but it, it gives you a little more confidence kind of get moved up. You, you know, uh, the A's feel, feel like they value, you know, me as a pitcher moving up in the system. So it's just, it's a good feeling um, knowing that, you know, you deserve it and that you're going to get an opportunity at the next level. I've had a lot of fun talking on, on our podcast, our first three anyway, but give me a sense from a player what you enjoy about Banner Island Ballpark. Let's see. Um, I mean, going from Beloit to Banner Island Ballpark, um, the stadium itself, you just walk in and it's gorgeous. Um, you know, you got palm trees in the back, you got the water in right field um stadium's great um and then you get the fans come into the game it's just a good atmosphere to play um really enjoy you know the night games there it gets a little chippy at times um our fans really get into the games which i love um so yeah no i feel like i was only there about two months but uh felt like i developed some relationships around the ballpark and uh it was a good spot to be first time i'd ever been in california so um, really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, I'd ever been to California was, uh, was last year. So got to, got to see some of the state. Um, I think I played at all but two parks. So it was fun to go around and see some new stadiums and um, all over the, the state of California. Which were the two parks you didn't play at? I didn't play at Inland Empire. That was one. And actually, I think it was just one because I played at the other three on the south side. In Southern California. So it was just one park that I didn't go to. Okay, so tell me this. Okay, excluding Stockton. Well, actually, we'll include Stockton. Okay. Of the places that you've pitched, which one is the worst pitcher's ballpark in the Cali? I think I know your answer, but I want to hear it anyway. <laughs> uh, let's see. The worst one has got to be Lancaster. Um, I mean, that was one of, I think that was the first place I pitched and it's a big, it's a big park. So I feel like not a lot of people know that it is huge. Like, I feel like it's 400 plus to dead center and then probably 375, 380 to the gaps. And then the lines are even pretty deep, but the wind is just a straight jet stream um, every single day, straight out to center and the ball flies. So um, I had two starts there and thankfully didn't give up too much damage, but I saw some balls hit a long way in that ballpark. And uh, that's definitely someplace if you have choice to pitch at home or pitch there, you want to pitch at home. 
Um, Banner Island isn't the most pitcher friendly, but it is a little more friendly than uh, Lancaster is. So, well, the dimensions at Banner Island Ballpark certainly don't favor mm -hmm. pitchers without a doubt. Yeah, that little uh, the back porch field. Yeah, the porch. Gosh, that needs to go the other way. We need to. <laughs> <laughs> going out not in <laughs> which is funny because i'm sure if we had jeremy ironman here he would tell you the opposite right right exactly now don't ask a hitter don't ask a hitter that uh <laughs> they love they love hitting there okay best pitchers park in the cal league best pitchers park in the cal league i don't even know if there is one um it's a league known for its offense i know that yeah yeah i'd say maybe modesto Modesto's big. Might be just because the ball doesn't necessarily fly there. Um, that's probably the best pitchers, in, the, in my opinion. Well, what is it? It's four – I think it's 410 to straightaway center. And then you've it's got the – dark. Yeah, and you've got like the, the 15, 20-foot high wall all the way around. Yeah. Yeah, big park. Um, and the wind just – I don't know if there's like trees that cut it down or what, but I just feel like the wind doesn't blow quite as – Quite as hard as it does in other other parks around the Cal around the Cal League. So, um, if I had to pick, I'd probably pitch pitch there. <laughs> interesting, interesting. Well, I, I can't wait to see all the parks for myself. I mean, I only got Stockton and, and Modesto. I think that was it in the, my short time in the Cal League. Uh, and yeah. and you are so you told you are expecting to start at Stockton, maybe. Midland, double-A Midland? Yeah, uh, don't. I'm on the Stockton roster at this point, so that's where I think I'll end up. Um, uh, there's, there's always a slight chance that things can change. Um, but yeah, I, I believe that I'll be in Stockton, uh, to start out the year. Well, we'll look forward to that, Bryce. Thank you so much for taking the time, man. I really appreciate it. Um, absolutely enjoyed it. Yeah, no, this was a lot of fun. Uh, stay safe out there during the season. Thank you, you too. Yeah. Yeah. During the season, we'll have to sit down and do it again at some point, but uh, again, I really appreciate the time. Stay safe and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon. For sure. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Portside Pod. If there are topics or interview subjects you'd like to hear on future episodes, tweet at me, at ajensen86. The Portside Pod is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other platforms, as well as at our home, anchor.fm slash Stockton-Ports. You can also visit the Ports website at StocktonPorts.com and follow the Ports on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and other social media platforms. Until next time, I'm Alex Jensen. Please stay safe, and we'll talk to you on the next episode of the Portside Pod.